Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. On this episode, we're talking about legacy and links and story. So lately, I've been thinking about how I might fit into this larger story of healing and truth. What happens when I'm sitting across from somebody, a person I'm working with in therapy, and sometimes when we're working on their really tough stuff, I feel this intensity, um, this intense feeling towards the gap between their suffering and their freedom. And I absolutely feel like the work of therapy is becoming a bridge sometimes a tightrope, anything to close that gap. And in this particular space, there are people who come in who have stories so similar to my own, and they pull at me, plucking at these strings that haven't played in a while. And sometimes the pull is so strong. In psychology jargon, this can be called countertransference. It's that messy, beautiful space between therapist and client. And I have been really trying to sit in that space recently, considering the work of empathy, how understanding or identifying with someone else's pain on that deep gut level is sometimes enough to help someone cross to the other side. I don't know. It's like my own story can somehow be laid down as a pathway for someone else to walk on. And as they walk on it, it becomes something even more beautiful like visiting an ancient place, and there are all these layers of floor or foundation. Beneath worn stone is carved wood or woven tapestry. All these layers are laden with story. And I feel that. Beneath the ground of my own story are the women who have forged a way forward for me. My life laid upon theirs, affected, different, sturdier, because they came before me laying a sure foundation or some new path that has led to adventure. And then I look at the people around me, specifically the people I get to work with in therapy, and I consider how I get to offer this to them. I look forward. I think about my daughter and how much farther she will get to go. God, I love this. I love thinking of this idea of being one link in a strong chain of women who have come before me and who will come after me. There is something about this idea of legacy that captures me. So as I've been playing with these thoughts, I recognize that there may have been some very specific people who are a part of my story. My grandma, my previous therapist, and one of my very first clients. And so I thought it'd be kind of neat to introduce them here. And so I'm going to be interviewing them. And I don't just want to tell you about them or to try to capture them through story. I really want you to hear it for yourself. 
I want you to get a glimpse into these relationships and let you catch the story. So we're going to start with my grandma. Oh, my grandma. <laughs> we call her Mammy Hoo-Hoo. Her friends call her Annie. And she was born Annette Marshall, November 4th, 1922. So that makes her 95 years old. And she had early onset macular degeneration, along with pretty severe glycoma and cataracts. And this has left her almost completely blind. She has a little bit of limited peripheral vision. Um, but don't let that fool you, because she still knows if I'm wearing ripped jeans and how no granddaughter of hers should ever dress like that, especially coming to visit her. She sees everything I don't necessarily need her to see, like when I've gained some weight, and she's very quick to point it out. And she's little, the way you expect grandmas to be, but she'll tell you that she was the tallest girl in her fifth grade class, and then she just never grew any taller after that. And she definitely carries herself like she's the tallest woman in the room. And I love this about her. And she has jokes so dirty, they'll make you blush for days. She's wild, and yet classy, mischievous, and at the same time well-mannered, foul and faithful, a mixture of chocolate and a little scotch with water. She's the best. So I drove over to her house yesterday, and mind you, she still lives on her own because stubborn is a gene that runs strong in our family. I'm going to tell you about her house because it's too good to not bring to this place. So after you've used the Golden Eagle door knocker, because America, you'll walk into her parlor, as she calls it. But you won't know quite where you are, and you aren't listening because the wallpaper has caught your attention and you have never seen anything like this in your life. And so you just smile at Mammy Hoo-Hoo while you keep following the floral pattern to realize that not only are the walls covered, but the refrigerator has been wallpapered as well. And you're amazed, I mean impressed really, because why not? And you will soon realize that why not is really the theme that ties the whole place together. She can't cook because she can't see anymore. And so the oven makes for a wonderful wine rack. And you can see that she likes Cabernet Sauvignon and some things you expect, like bowls of candy. But it is the sheer volume of candy that really takes you back. Maybe she knows someone who works for Seas Candy. Or maybe she invested there. Nope. She's just a frequent flyer, a child of the Depression, and she has four kids, 11 grandkids, 18 great-grandkids that doesn't include their spouses, and they all might stop by, so there has to be enough for everyone. And you get that. She sweeps you along, past the kitchen, wine room, and into the sitting room. But go ahead, sit on any of the patterned chairs or couches. And again, you see that the why not motif has really influenced this room as well. Sometimes, in her shelf area, she actually has carved Karma Sutra figurines, because why not? And every, and I mean every single item in her house has a story. She will want to know all the details of your life since the last time you've seen her, because you know it's real quiet her way, and she has probably been listening to some murder mystery book on tape and way too much Fox News, and those get kind of muddled, so her worldview is super dodgy at best. What else? She'll want to make sure your basics are covered, that you have enough to eat, that your shoes still fit, 
and that your rear end is covered. Not even kidding, she chronically offers her clothes for us to look through in case there's anything that we would wear. And clothing is a specialty for her. Again, don't let the fact that she can't see throw you off. She is always dressed to the nines. And yes, her handbag matches her shoes. Always. You guys, she's one of a kind. And she's done it all. She went to Stanford University. She married my grandpa and left school early. Not finishing her degree is one of her biggest regrets in life, and she'll tell you about it. She was married three times, which is a lot for a Catholic. She's outlived all her friends, and she swears it's because she ate red meat every day, very few vegetables, and as much chocolate as she wanted. Now, I don't think that the Surgeon General would agree, but then again, he's not 95 with an oven full of wine. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my grandma, my Mammy Hoo-Hoo. Well, I'm going to tell you why I wanted to sit down with you today. Um, part of what I'm wanting to share about is women who have influenced me. And there's a couple people that stand out for me, and you're first on my list. Uh, don't. <laughs> well, maybe you do. I'm such a dumb broad. <laughs> no, no. Far from it. Fat 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I thought if I had the chance to ask you some questions and to kind of talk about, you know, how you've influenced me, I don't know. I thought it'd be kind of a neat thing to listen to. So maybe we can start at the beginning <laughs> of our relationship. <laughs> that goes way back. Way back. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start maybe with your name. Your name it, when you were born was what? Annette Marshall. Mm-hmm. Did you get a middle name? I don't think so. Okay. <clears throat> and Annette is actually Eden, my daughter's middle name, right? Yeah. So we named Eden after you because we wanted to make sure that she kind of had a lot of your strength and spunk. <laughs> but you really have represented that for me for all for all these years. It's just a woman. Well, how yeah. sweet, honey. Yeah. What was it like for you raising? You raised four kids. What was that like? I love being a mother. Mm. But I didn't have a lot of example. Yeah. Because my own mother had so much help. Yes. And she was so distant from us. And so I had to learn on my own and by watching friends and joining little groups and seeing how they did it. Yes. But you learn. Yeah. And don't you, I mean, I, I watch you and I think so much of what, who you are has always been in your heart. So maybe you didn't know, you didn't have an example, but you knew within yourself like that you wanted to be different and better. Yes. Okay, what is... For you, what is something you never thought you would see in your lifetime? Because uh, you were born in 1922. I had to find out that men were okay because my stepfather was very difficult mm-hmm. and Vern was very difficult, mm-hmm. my first husband. Mm-hmm. And Warren Lindsay was like, God gave me a gift mm. to find that men can be gentle and loving and care. Yes, yeah. And uh, it should have made a difference, sweetie. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a hard, that's a lesson learned the hard way. Oh, but uh, I was ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that you got to learn. Yes, that and you got to learn how that. lucky I was to have that second time around. Yes, 
a lot of gals have that screwed up first marriage and then they never get the second time around. You're right. Or in the old days, they had to live with it for 75 years. So how have your thoughts on marriage changed then since you were a young girl? I don't think I did enough thinking about it as a young girl, sweetie. In those days, everybody just went to school and then they married and had kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't have a brother or a father as an example. Mm -hmm. We were raised to be seen and not heard. Yeah. And he'd say, go to your room, you aren't mine. Or we were in boarding school for so many years that uh, I wasn't looking for the right values mm -hmm. in a man. Mm -hmm. He just looked good and felt good. <laughs> <laughs> and that can be pretty convincing. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think for women, let's say even Eden, a woman who is going to grow up in this, you know, next few decades, what should she look for? Well, first of all, I think she has to learn to be independent herself. Yeah. She has to learn to take care of herself and her family. Mm -hmm. That uh, she has to have goals and values and she has to look for a partner who shares yeah. and has similar values. Yeah. That uh, it isn't all about money to make you happy mm -hmm. and things. <clears throat> Unless you have a good basis for marriage, you don't have anything. Yeah, you're right. And if you don't have a partner and a companion and a friend in the marriage, you don't have anything. Mm -hmm. When I first called you and I said, Mimi Hoo Hoo, can I interview you? Do you remember what your question was for me? You said, are you going to ask me about my sex life? No. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, some people don't like sex. I love it. Sex is great. And I love to cuddle. Oh, yeah. To me, it's the sweetness between people yeah. and sharing. Yeah, they're both forms of intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so the idea of sex has changed a lot in our culture. You lived through the sexual revolution where... Oh, honey. Yeah. Bad girls did this and good girls did that. But it, as I've grown older, I found that those bad girls should have gone along all right. That <laughs> <laughs> they'd all end up in the same spot? <laughs> a lot of them ended yeah. up better off. Right? Before you leave, I have a whole bunch of t-shirts in the other room for you to look at. Okay, I can do that. You don't do it while we're talking, even. <laughs> okay. Okay, would you tell me some of your favorite mischievous stories? Well, we used to French sheep each other's beds all the time. Well, what does that mean? Uh, you take the bottom sheet and you fold it up and over the blanket. And that way you can't get your feet through. You get in bed and you can't. So we were in Hawaii. The men had raced over and we'd gone up two islands to Kauai. And that's where the boat comes home from. So you get the food on board and okay. do everything. And it was pouring rain. We're in a Japanese motel. This is 60 years ago, sweetie. 70 60 years ago and pouring rain and the Japanese couple are looking out and there are toads or frogs that big hopping all over in the mud Come out on. in the yard. Yeah. 
Well, I'm sure we, Betty and I must have had a couple drinks. I don't know. <laughs> but neither one of us drank much. But we got our bathing suits on and went out there and we caught those frogs. And I could put one here and one here and I could carry four or five frogs at one thing. <laughs> we are falling in the mud and sliding and laughing. And we bring the frogs in and we put them in the toilet with some joy and wash them. <laughs> and then Vernon and her son Ricky had gone into town on a truck with some of the local boys, yeah. 17 and all. They thought they were so big and they were going to have a beer. And they came home and their beds had been French sheeted and they were bobbing with frogs. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's too good, right? Just hilarious. But Pat Allen told me that I had no grays in my life when I went to her. Mm. And this was your therapist, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And she said, I had a, one box black and one box white. Yes. And good girls do this and bad girls do that. Yes. I was living like I was 16 or 18 years old. Oh, yeah. And here I was in my 40s. Yeah. And uh, So did she tell you about Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> no, no. She just told me that I had a kid living in me, mm. and I was being too serious, uh, and I had to let that kid out to play. Yeah. Well, once I let the kid out to play, I could never catch it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all better for that, that's for sure. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So in therapy, that's we do, it's called like inner child work. And so sometimes we'll actually say, okay, like, how old do you feel when you have that memory or that yeah. experience? And can we invite that part of yourself into the room? And well, I evidently had a sad child. Yeah, yeah. And I was relating to that. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? And I, I was so afraid of being hurt after I sued for divorce. I wouldn't go out. I went back to school. Yeah. I'd never lived in a house alone, sweetie. Yeah. Uh, I'd always been a part of a family. You're right. Went to college and then moved right from that in with it. I look back and I think I did too much volunteer work. Mm. In a way, I was waking up, making up for my mother who did none. Wow. She wouldn't do Girl Scouts or Brownie Scouts or PTA or anything. Yeah. So in return, I couldn't take part in it. So, okay, so here's a question for you. Because you're kind of saying... You saw what your mom didn't do, so then you did the opposite. I overreacted. Overcompensated, right? Sure. And that, that is, that's a lesson I feel like that's difficult to learn because you don't know. Where the medium is. Yeah. And what's right for one person, sweetie, isn't the same for the next person. Right. But that, what, I can't tell you how many people have come in my office and said, I'm going to do exactly the opposite of my dad, my mom, my this, and... And they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater sometimes, right? There's sometimes there are some things we can take and say, I'm not going to do the opposite. I'm just going to kind of do it my own way. That is the answer, sweetie. And, and Pat taught me how to close a chapter. You can't open a new chapter in a book until you finish the last one. I love it. And you have to let go. Yes. What, what was the other thing she used to say? She, there was something um, about the river? Oh, Yes. Once you talked about your past life, and she called it putting it on the coffee table. Yeah. And you talked one hour. Yeah. You talked everything out. You put it down on the coffee table, 
Then you swept it off into the river, and then it went under the bridge, and then it went down to the dam, went over the dam, and it was damn well gone. <laughs> she was an important person for you. Oh, she changed my life. She did, huh? And I, became uh, a good friend in the process. Yes, yes. I, I had a therapist that I adored. I'm actually going to be interviewing her as well, just because she um, was in my life at some of the most crucial, oh, like... You didn't just, have an easy time. Yeah, no. Getting to know your therapist, I think it makes you wonder, like, are they real? Are they... Have they gone through pain? Um, what brought them to this room? Right. And it's, it's different having to kind of enter into that relationship with humility, like that we don't have it all together. Well, and I grew up with that attitude of I could do anything. Yeah. That third grade teaching it taught us so thoroughly that if we work at it, we can figure mm -hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. And you can do it. Yes. But you know, you try this and you try that and it doesn't work and uh, then you hit your head on enough walls, you begin to think, <laughs> I do need help. <laughs> I can remember when I was little and you told me about your story from third grade, about that, that I can. Mm-hmm. It, it set a pattern for all our lives. Yeah. And she was a little hunchback. <laughs> and she was the happiest, best teacher. And her husband was about 6'2", and he used to pick her up and swing her around <laughs> and kiss her. And they chose not to have children because they didn't want to have more hunchbacks. So I told you she was pretty cool. She's probably even better than you thought. And she is who I had to start with when I think about this idea of legacy. So much of who I am is because of who she is. I am so very deeply grateful for her and the woman she has challenged me to be. So what about you? If you were sitting here today with me in this trailer, I'd want to know, where does your story start? Does it start with a someone, a something, a someplace? Really think about it. Who has influenced you, shaped you, forged you? When you look back, who are you connected to? Why? Or what about now? Who are you fused to in some inexplicable way? Can you look ahead? Who will come after you? And what story do you need to tell them so they can go further? What about stepping back? Look at it all. Past, present, future. Consider your place in this chain. These links of legacy. What do you want to do? What chains need to be broken? What needs to be mended? You can do this. You can do this because you are a part of something so much bigger than you can ever conceive. Your story connects here. If you're not sure where you can connect into, it's here. Your pain, your beauty, your fears, your victory, all have a place of connection in this larger story. And together, we are strong. We are tall. We are free. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. 
E-L-Y-S-E at TrailerCast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 